Podcasting from the Chicagoland area, this is Game On with Jackson Stewart, where we discuss men's lifestyle, focusing on sex, fitness, relationships, business, and more. We'll be interviewing the best of the best, the hot shots, and the rising stars in the worlds of modeling, fitness, cooking, and more. Influencers who are discussing keeping it sexy while at the top of their game. I'm your host, Jackson Stewart. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the game. What if you could be a better player for the cost of one more cup of coffee a month? Get access to a growing library of lit erotica, behind-the-scenes action, and player's guides with tips on drinking, cooking, fitness, dating, sex, and life after dark. Low tier rate while offer lasts. Patreon.com. Game on with Jack. Keep it sexy and game on. Does technology drive the game, or does the game drive technology? Did we learn Snapchat, text messaging, smartphones, etc., only to reach out to that special someone, or do we use these technologies and discover their possibilities? Do we hide from tech and its innovation, or do we embrace it? Your man Jack is all about tech, but nowhere near the level as our amazing guest tonight. Trevor Alexander has been an active UI UX designer in the tech industry for over 18 years, including being part of three successfully sold startups. He is also an author of the book, An Ugly Design Career, and has also guided designers through incredible and unorthodox design tactics. All right, guys, you've heard the introduction and the bio. Now join me in welcoming to Game On, the innovative, the creative Trevor Alexander. Trevor, how are you doing? Doing so great today. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you very much for being here. And, you know, I, I forgot to tell you this during our, our pre-show talk, but Trevor does not know, but he holds the title for the only person whose biography I had to record four different times and screwed up each time. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. I don't know. Is that a badge? Do you send a little trophy? For oh, it's you? definitely a badge. You know, I'd, I'd say I'd send you a trophy, but I'll probably screw that up because and it, what's so bad is it's a very it's a simple biography, but there is a lot of there's a lot of uh, of words that needed me at my peak, and at the moment I was not at my peak, and I'm like, ooh, this is not going to come out right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll say I was um, when I recorded the audiobook for what I wrote written the the number of takes. It's like you would think that some other utter stranger in a different language had written what I wrote. Yes. Because it was so difficult to say the words and not trip up that I, by the end of it, I was recording it sentence by sentence. Ooh. I could never guarantee yes. hitting two in a row. Yes. It was awful. Yeah. When I read your biography, I felt like I was a, a very awkward child playing hopscotch with Olymp- <laughs> with Olympic class gymnasts. Oh, okay. I think I think we'll nail the uh, speech part pattern back and forth in this show. Let's see. How <laughs> yeah, I think we'll do good. <laughs> so, Trevor... Can you let the audience know uh, what platform you're on and by what username to find you? Yeah, I think that one of the greatest spaces is probably Twitter. I'm trying to uh, be a bit more active on that platform. That goes under Alexander Trevor. 
And, uh, yeah, most likely the best place to find me there for all my stuff. Okay. And where are you from originally, and where did you grow up? Yeah, so I'm up here in Canada, so far, far north. I grew up in a little cow town, a place called Air. It's spelled A-Y-R of all places. Okay. Uh, just a thousand people, but uh, from there had moved on to a bunch of cities, a couple of places around the world actually, remote work, and then have settled down in Ottawa, Ontario, which is the uh, country's capital. You know, one of uh, one of our hardcore listeners is a, a he'll know who he is, a guy named Jay, and Jay is also Canadian. And the beautiful thing about Jay is, anytime there is a Canadian holiday. He, and Jay's a great guy. I, I love him to death. But anytime there's a Canadian holiday, he will tell us happy whatever Canadian holiday it is, and we have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> happy hockey stick yes. day. Happy snow day. Again. Yeah, and <laughs> and I feel all the bizarre. I feel bad because he's well versed on American holidays. Like he's there, you know, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, everything else. But he'll come out with these like, you know, like, oh, I hope you guys are having a great day off for like Boxer Day. I'm like, I don't think we're getting that over here. Yeah, Saint whatever day. Yeah. It's always a bit of, I work with a lot of clients in the States and it's always a bit of a funny one because they'll have their day off because of whatever national holiday. I won't, you know, our Thanksgivings, for instance, don't align. Right. So it tends to be a bit of interesting friction between the two, but uh, big shout out to Canadian Jay. Yeah. Like the sound the of big it. shout out to Canada. I, and I just heard his reply back, you know, God bless the maple leaf. Cause I don't know how you reply back to a Canadian holiday. Like, yeah, I've got friends and friends in uh, Britain. I, I can I can get away with God save the Queen. They're very touched by that. I I don't know what you say back to Canadians. I just speak on the maple leaf, and they're very flattered by it. Hey, the Canadians are so kind; they'll never call you one. So you go ahead and say whatever they want. They'll thank you. Just, they'll thank you and apologize. Just the <laughs> I realize now I'm probably a horribly insulting Jay, but because he's Canadian, he's just taking it and being very 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 kind and 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 gregarious. So. Uh, so given that you grow up in this, as you described it, a small town, how do you become the, the tech giant, the, the tech savvy mogul that you are now? <laughs> mogul, my goodness. <laughs> Quite the acumen to live up to. I, I feel like, I feel like that's applicable. I feel like that's a, that's a hyperbole. Trevor Alexander is a mogul and I, you know, how, how do you get there from a small town? Yeah, so the it's a funny kind of route because it was actually through art. Like I was very creative, hmm. loved the arts, drawing, painting, all those things. Um, I mean, funny part about it is that I was never good at it. Like looking back at the work, it's like I'm really not good at it. <laughs> but that create, <laughs> but that creative streak existed. So the creativity and coming up with solutions to problems, like that struck a chord. So I went to an art school, couldn't get into any of the courses I wanted to because again, I honestly was not good at it. I ended up with a, there was a course called visual merchandising. Now this, that's a course where they teach you how to set up elements inside of stores. So you walk into a store and you see the shirts first and then you see the jeans. That's somebody in visual merchandising figuring out how to arrange a store. Wow. Never had an interest in it, but it just seemed interesting. It was the only other course I got into, but it had one class in graphic design. So they had this computer lab and they're introducing us to the basics of graphic design. And I just fell in love with it. Like I'd, I'd finished the, I went back home, I downloaded all the software. I'd finished all the coursework for the entire year within the first two weeks because I was, I was just consuming it and had a bit of a tenacity for it. So there's this introduction to computers. Uh, lo and behold, I ended up 
having so much of a body of work that I got hired as a graphic designer out of college, despite not actually graduating for that. Um, and again, much like my art career, at the first couple of years, I was not good at it. <laughs> like I got fired from that first job, rightfully so, rightfully so. Um, but it, it actually ended up being a massive opportunity because the entire time I was my, during my first job, I had a side gig with a startup here in Ottawa, actually, where I've ended up. And they were producing this little tech product. I absolutely love these guys, and I love this product, doing work for free at nights. I get fired, and I take stock of my situation. It's like, okay, so I love computers. I love graphic design. I love all this thing. I love this startup. I'm young. I don't really, I'm not, all my family don't live in the city. They're all different places. I have, I have no connections. So I call up the founder, and I said, look, and, you know, this is like an absolute bootstrap startup, like no money, zero, right? Just guys in a dream. So I call them up. I'm like, all right, if you can give me a place to sleep and feed me, I'll come and work for free. Like this, this thing seems interesting. I got nothing else going on. Like, let's make a run at it. And they agreed. The next day I was on a Greyhound bus. Eight hours later, later I arrived. And for the next year, I was just living out of the founder's house, being fed and doing all of this design work. Oh, wow. But what that ended and I'm talking like 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week. It was a grind. It was crazy, but it was some of the greatest times ever because one of my first big mentors came from that experience. The amount of the amount of work I created in that first year would rival some people's five or ten year portfolios. And, you know, just it just sunk in so many experiences for me about startups, about business, about where design fits in the entire spectrum of building products that from that day forward, I've never since had to apply for a job. Like I just kept getting dragged along to new opportunities, new opportunities. Uh, that company got sold and I'd go on to meet up with another group and where they sold another two companies as well. And you know, to this day, just have not applied, don't have a portfolio, just keep getting brought along for good people because that work ethic and those lessons I learned have produced me to be valuable enough to not just be kind of brought along to these adventures. And it's something I'm incredibly grateful for. You know, it's, that's, that's how we arrived here. You know, one of the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, I always, you know, I talk to friends or people I listen to the show and, and I always point out that all the guests are identical and they're always like, you know, Jack, you're out of your damn mind, which is probably true on multiple levels. But in this, <laughs> all the guests are because the, you guys all share so many commonalities, the, the drive, the creativity, and the ability to, I don't know, it, it's the instinct, the ability to know when to jump, the ability to know when to adapt. Mm. And that is so remarkable. And it's always beautiful. Every time I, I find it, and I guess, it, you know, I, I enjoy it like it's the first time, and you, you exhibit all those qualities. And I think a lot of people mistake uh, or make the mistake that technical people are, are, you know, cut and dry, black and white, zeros and ones, that, and that they lack all of the traits that you just mentioned, creativity, you know, uh, boldness, you know, I mean, and just the way that you've built this structure with an almost, um, with almost like natural slash supernatural ability to just know when to move and when not to. And I think, you know, go to your IT people and be nice to them, everybody. Like, don't think that they're just, <laughs> You know, a copier sitting in a closet somewhere, but there's more to the IT world. There's a lot more creativity to technology. I think people people understand or would expect. And 
I'm really glad that uh that you brought a lot of that out in in your description. What um what's your what's your day to day like? Like, because a lot of a lot of guests work out early. You know, they, the physical fitness, mental fitness is a big part of their plan. What what time do you wake up? What time do you you know hit the ground running? What do you do? What time do you go to bed, et cetera? Yeah, so I've been thrown for a bit of a loop. So I'm a very happy father of two boys who are currently just wrapping up their summer vacation. So during those months, things get kind of shooken up, and I've been experimenting with a few different timelines. They're about to go to school, and the most are in for the whole year. So the general timeline is try to wake up about, you know, five or so, uh, get in, uh, you know, an hour or so of work and or self-study or, you know, work on projects that I'm trying to either improve myself with like study or something like that, uh, language, coding, uh, writing, uh, then help the kids get ready for school. So breakfast, lunches, drop them off. At that point, my wife and I will go to the gym together. So we'll drive in the car, drop the kids off and then go right to the gym do a session. And then from there, it's working with the uh, main group I'm with at the moment, which is working on a really cool bit of a fintech. It's a fintech startup. Just a fantastic group. I'm really excited about that. So that'd be like kind of the day thing. So working with the client throughout the day, meetings, designs, project planning, finish up for the day, get, uh, you know, dinner ready for everybody. Uh, play with the kids like that, and, and that time's very, that time's very precious to me. So that after school, get to bring the kids home, especially just given their ages of four and seven, it's an amazing time because they're old enough to converse with you, but not old enough to have a uh, <laughs> real big attitude about it. They still have that youthful wonderment. So it's amazing to chat with them, and then put them to bed. A few hours left towards the end of the day. I tried. I've recently, I think classically, I would continue to work in the evening, but I've been trying to put a stop to that where it's work time is work time and then home time is home time. Mm, yes. So just to really make that delineation so that I, I can be somebody outside of the work. So that is, you know, watch a movie with my wife, go for a walk, like play a video game, something I enjoy. Just, just really trying to ensure that the nights are more about, you know, just do something you enjoy. Don't try to <laughs> grind your work in the evening, leave that for the day, which also I think provides a lot more focus. For the day in itself because as of five it's like that's it this is all the time you have so you better make it productive so i think a decent summation it's, it's something it's a formula i'm constantly playing with to try to optimize it well i i think i could go out on a limb here and say <clears throat> excuse me that given your your work history and what you're doing now what you uh you know will do i'd say you're probably in the area of being a futurist you know you're looking ahead a little bit and i find that all the futurists that I know at some point have to make the effort to be a nowist, like in the moment right now. And I think that's a challenge because, you know, it, you looking forward helps with your work. Like, you know, where you want the program to go, you know what the design wants to look like. So you're living kind of like at the end of the project, but then how do you balance it out with, but right now I'm home. You know, that's got to be a challenge, I'm sure. Oh, it's, it's next to impossible. And I, you know, I, I can never thank my wife, honestly enough, for, I think, balancing me out. If left to my own devices, I think it would be 80 hours a week every week. You know, you, you, some sort of... You'd be back in somebody's house, you know, being paid with just, like, food yeah. and an and old couch or mattress. <laughs> and it was just that... Um, 
like being with her and just having the responsibilities of being a husband and the responsibilities of being a father, you know, really crystallized that it's like, sure, you can work yourself to death, death, but like to what end? Right. And, and, and you know, and I don't want to just like, there's, there's some people who they do that, that's their drive and they have wonderful success. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's not necessarily a viable path, but for myself and I think for many others, just being able to have that responsibility and that expectation thrust upon me was incredibly beneficial to grow up's not the right term, but just to embody what I needed to and not just throw myself into any work. And I honestly found like it made the work better. The The problem with younger me when I did work the 80 hours is that was always an escape hatch. So if something went wrong, well, okay, I just won't sleep for three days and I'll fix it and get it done. Or new project, new deadline. Hey, we'll just, that's fine. I just won't see anybody for a week and I'll get things finished. But now with, you know, a wonderful wife and great kids, that's not an option. I can't just not sleep for four days and disappear. Right. So that means everything I'm doing has to be practiced and thought out and efficient. So it ends up being a, despite like the less time, the time ends up being more valuable. So it's, yeah, it is a constant struggle to make sure it's there, but it's a really rewarding one to come out on the other side. You know, it's once again, it's the, the commonalities that are so that are so prevalent and wild in such a wide, diverse, um, diverse offering of guests. You know, I, we've had models who have mm. <clears throat> excuse me, who have said the same thing. They're like, if they do not balance their lives out, they will do they'll do a photo shoot for like 18 hours and they won't talk to their family for like days or. You know, we've had uh, bartenders or fitness guests who are just like, yeah, if you don't balance out what you do because you're so driven and you're accomplished, but you also like a, to accomplish, like you keep wanting to, you know, obtain, obtain and, and win, essentially, that it's a, it, it's an effort to to just to just stop, you know, and, and be in the moment. So you're not alone in that. And, you know. <laughs> My poor guests, I keep picking guests who are so driven that, you know, <laughs> I can hear them burning out during the interview and it's, I'm probably not helping yeah. that. Um, they're, t- they're taking meetings during the interview. I know. After, like right yeah, after it's like, hi, <laughs> my name's Trevor and I'm here with Game On with Jackson Stewart. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the sponsor for all the guests. Like we're sitting around, you know, eating cookies and drinking coffee and talking about our problems. Uh, who are some of your influences? You know, are there, specific people in the, the tech industry? Are there authors that you follow? Are there, um, you know, people now, you know, nowadays we have to also consider that there are influencers, whether it be on YouTube or, or TikTok that reach out to people and inspire people. Who, who influences uh, Trevor Alexander to be who you are? Hmm. That's a great question. I, so one author I really adore uh, is Simon Sinek. Okay. And so that and his more popular work, he, he's got some unbelievable tech talks that you can find on YouTube. Uh, his book, Eaters Eat Last, Eaters, <laughs> Leaders Eat Last, uh, goes through some incredible uh, interviews and research he had put into what makes a true leader. Uh, you know, what, what separates a narcissist between somebody who wants to serve and actually do. And he, he looks a lot at Marines in doing this. So to hear him speak and with such great passion and empathy for people who have helped people to better themselves, to become the better version of themselves, it's really great. It's really inspiring. Um, I think that otherwise I think a lot, 
but look to some of the older books. I, I tend to like uh, Dale Carnegie. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, how to win friend and influence people. And there's, there's just a reason why, to this day, it's uh, stood the test of time yes. uh, as far as being a great book. And the the other one that that's really helped me, I think, a lot of my career is uh, Getting to Yes. So that's by Fisher, Uri, and I'm trying to read the last one. I always mess up. Halton. So Getting to Yes. So even inside of my design career, it's, it's funny because people say, like, oh, Getting to Yes, it sounds like a book. It's about a negotiation and how to get what you want without selling your soul. The, it, it's unbelievable how useful it is everywhere in everything. You know, it's people, I often would give it to the designers I'd be managing, and there's a bit of understandable pushback. It's like, well, I'm not a salesman. Why the heck do I need this? <clears throat> it's like, no, everything you do, even if it's not, well, take the design case, but this works in everything you're doing within your job, your career. Like, everything is negotiation. Like, I've come up with this concept, this visual that I'm trying to get a client to implement. Them saying yes to that is a negotiation. Because I have an idea, I have an opinion and an approach. They have an idea, they have an opinion and approach. And how do you resolve that? And a lot of it is like very useful tactics. And, you know, one of my favorites just being as opposed to you're on one side of the table and I'm on the other side of the table. And he suggests even doing this physically if you meet, but you can just even apply it um, conceptually. Instead, the problem is on one side of the table, mm. and both of you are on the same type, same side of the table. Such a huge paradigm shift the, with that that way of thinking, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, because if it's a negotiation for a price or a product or whatever you're doing, it's like we're sol- you and I are partners, and we're solving this. So let, let's figure this out. And you know that it's been unbelievably helpful in a design career. So that's you know, I'd, I'd list those. I think as some of my. Uh, my influences there. I feel like now in a, you know, post COVID world, there's a lot of openness to technology and openness to entrepreneurship. Like, you know, people are looking at teleworking, but also people are now, you know, whether it be because <clears throat> we all as a species have looked at a, you know, a, a massive case of mortality. Like, you know, none of us are going to live forever. Now we all obviously know it, you know, um, mm-hmm. the world's got a lot smaller if you like in terms of, of our ability to communicate and reach out to one another that now people are thinking maybe it is time to start that business. Maybe it is time to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pursue that dream of doing X, Y, and Z. And all of that, I feel at some point, uh, has to rely on technology or the mentality of communication connectivity, which is, I think, at the base of technology. What are three tips you would give to people who are looking at this, you know, brave new world? Yeah, so let's say that don't admire technology, right? I think people come to me, you know, you're someone who has built and released applications, uh, mobile phone or websites, whatever else, and people, oh, I have this great idea for an app. Like, oh, if I could just build this app. Like tools exist in a hundred different iterations, right? So whether you want to create a store, you can do a Shopify or Etsy, whether you want to build an app, there's actually four or five like great products where you don't even have to code the thing. You just like put it in. You know, I think people admire the technology in so much that if I only had this piece of technology built, then I could X, Y, and Z. And I really feel that's the wrong approach for a number of fashions. Firstly being, 
the one of the greatest humbling lessons of releasing products like releasing a book uh, and anything else is that the quality of the content of the product itself will always be dwarfed by the marketing in that like you can have the greatest product in the world but if nobody listens to you no one ever gets to about it. you know so like people will just so often want to focus on oh if i could only build this thing or if only i knew how to build this thing i think i think anyone listening is and i i, I would put a 100 percent guarantee on this like anybody listening could build by some cobbling version of it, be it like you create a expel, Excel spreadsheet, you create a, you know, a Squarespace website, you create a Spotify store. You could create the technology is there to support you. You could build it yourself, absolutely, even if in a basic level. So don't worry about that. Assume the technology is taken care of. What do you want to actually build? What do people actually want? Nice. You know, so so number one is like, do not admire the technology. Assume that it's you could handle it, and, and which I think is 100% true. Um, thing number two, I, I suppose it kind of comes back around to the beginning where you said it seems that people who have found some success in business or entrepreneurship know when to take a bet on something. Yes. Uh, I think you'll you'll find hundreds of opportunities. Honestly, like you, you start looking, like opportunities will show. I think the better part than the idea is the people you know like it, whether it be whatever piece of tech goes like if someone has an awesome idea it, someone could have the absolute greatest idea but if they themselves are not someone you trust or want to work with or could learn from like that's that does not represent a great opportunity you know so i think it's a greater focus on as opposed to the clout or the idea itself or whatever it is like all we need is a million dollar idea like i might change it around to you need the million dollar team <coughs> Because with a because with a million dollar team, you can go into a very old space, a very unsexy bit of work, and with the right team, completely innovate and create something that people really want, that people really want to participate in. So I would much as opposed to really worrying too much about ideas, I think it's much more about the people you're going to go with, and that's twofold. Because firstly, those people you'll be a band of brothers, you'll link arms, you'll be able to take on anything. That's firstly very great. That's an amazing experience. Secondly, if they are of high caliber and you endear yourself to them, they will go out and all of a sudden your network is a thousand times bigger because they they were there in the trenches with you, these good people trying to do a good thing. When they go out to the next place, they're going to say, oh, well, my friend, you know, Jack, my friend Trevor, they this this is somebody you can rely on. Just hire them. And you'll get more opportunities that way as well. So, you know, I think focus much more on the people than the idea. Jeez, third. It's like <laughs> swinging around to a third one. Um, I think service, you know, and that really pertains to my own uh, purview of focus with uh, design, especially <coughs> with designers, but I, which I'll focus on in the speaking of it, but I, I think it applies to everyone. And, th and that is understanding of being of service to people. You know, the, the people will say, oh, I, I want to get out of my job because I don't like having a boss. Interesting. But if you have clients, who who do you work for? Right. Yeah, 100%. Even if you're an in, if you're an influencer, who do you work for? You're still, if you, you can put out the content you like to put and it's going to really scratch an, an itch and it's going to, you know, light a fire inside you. That's wonderful. But if, they, if people don't like it, you still fail. If you're not worried about them and, and servicing, I don't, I don't mean to diminish your voice or to mute what you're going to say, but 
approaching it to not think that, oh, I'll just do whatever I want and money will appear, as opposed to I'm in service to others. I'm helping others. I'm engaging others. I'm giving others something. It, it's really a misplaced concept or idea. You know, so ultimately, I think like it's, service is fantastic. Service is like one of the highest callings, and I really think that anywhere you go, be it you are working for somebody, working with a team, you're trying to become an influence, you're starting to starting to do a business, approaching it from a place of service, I believe sets you on the, a great track to help others and have an impact. You know, there is, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a, yeah, there's so much gold there to unpack in that answer. I mean, your, your answers to that question. And I mean, just when, it, when you said the first part, like, God, I'm like, God, Trevor's, Trevor hit something. Then you hit the second part. I'm like, God, Trevor just hit something else. Cause I'm like, ah, I can't, can't keep up. But it, guys, listen, what he said right there is, you know, cause I've read Carnegie. I've read, uh, you know, Napoleon Hill. I've read, uh, you know, Jim Rome. I mean, just a lot of those, those, uh, those speakers and like what you said has been gold for centuries. And what I mean by that is it, it's fundamental. Like people don't focus, don't get caught up in the minutia, you know, in this case, the worshiping the technology, but you know, if you can, and when you said the, the line about, you'll find that the marketing dwarfs the content. Like, Oh my God, if that is not like you coming down from the mountaintop, because, and, and I love uh, Seth Golden, who's this great marketing expert. Mm-hmm. And Seth says, you know, set a ship date and whether it's good or it's great or it's okay, you got to ship it like no matter what. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love his, uh, I love his purple cow. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 or find, my favorite stories of find your tribe and, and find your tribe goes back to what you said. If you can't get your product in front of the right people and I'll tie in some, your third point, if you can find the people that you can help, if you can get your content in front of the people you can help, if you have a decent team to help you get your content that can help those people in front of the people that it can help, you're golden. Because people get so caught up in it's not per- nothing's perfect. People stop. Stop trying to be perfection. You always chase it. You'll never reach it. Find a problem. Solve the problem. Get in front of people that have the problem. And you're done. <clears throat> and serve yeah, and you've served them. So, I mean, Trevor is, uh, he's not just a technologist, but he's also a monk. He's bringing all kind of wisdom to us. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people have hangups about it, especially men. I, you know, I have a lot of male friends who, you know, they're, they can work their smartphone, but if you ask them to step outside of that, they're not much further than, you know, rubbing two sticks together to, to make fire. Um, <laughs> With the exception of technology that they need. So are there three confidence builders you could give the guy who is one step, you know, just one step above, you know, fire good, loud noise is bad. Like three things that calm them down whenever they hear. And it could be like new apps. It could be like, you know, guys hear about Snapchat or you mentioned Etsy. They hear new things and they, they get scared. What are three confidence builders or three things you can tell them? that will calm them down. Yeah, I think, um, you know, much like, don't worry about perfection, you'll never reach it. Um, I think much the same as like with complete 
technological omnipotence, you'll never reach it. Uh, <laughs> I like so, that technological omnipotence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so no one's going to know absolutely everything. And that's absolutely fine. Like I, often in, you know, if I did have an interview or like we're working with a client and they'll say, oh, have you heard X, Y, Z? <coughs> The, you know, the, the impetus is, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I'm great at it. it. As opposed to it's like, oh, I haven't, but I, I should be able to pick it up. I'll uh, make sure to look into it. Right. And it's that confidence, like, will you be able to do it in an hour? I don't know. Like, maybe in a week. I don't know. Like, but the thought that you, with, you know, ready practice and slow incremental improvement can't eventually get on top of a technology, it's absurd. Of course you can. Right. You know, if you went back to your 12 year old self and you said, hey, here's how a smartphone works, that 12 year old's brain would just drop on the floor. Right. And here you are completely manipulating it. It's great. So it, it can be solved. Uh, second is like Google's your buddy. <laughs> yes. Like it, the, people seem to think like I work with developers all like day in, day out. And people would think, oh, they these great developers just sit there and code like almost a, a vast majority of their time is spent searching online about how to solve problems like it's never in a vacuum like I said most of these folk guys just do not sit in a room and just type out what they think is going to work like they're searching they're learning they're asking questions in the communities and getting um, answers to it it's communal like everybody's in there right so the it, it's not to think you do not have to know everything and it, people who do they're often searching constantly for the answers so that there's no one that's just sitting there with every answer at their fingertips. And lastly, as far, it's probably just perspective. It, it, it's probably just not worry about tech and, and not having tech inside of it. Like if you <coughs> exercise, so going to a gym or just being outside, if you play sports, like, you know, if you play guitar, if you get into a band, go for walks, like just have conversations. I mean, one of my favorite thing to do when I'm at dinner with friends or family, anybody else is just to ensure that the phone gets put on mute, it gets put in the pocket, and I don't touch it. I think one of the experiments I used to do, what I realized when I was, I was going to parties or social events, and I was bringing my phone out, and it was a shield. Yes. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not interacting with anybody, but that's because I'm super busy and super important. And I realized about that. Instead, like, I, I started to make a very conscious effort in social situations, work parties, networking events, parties, whatever they were, to just never touch my phone. Never once touch my phone. Like be in the moment, feel terrible, feel awkward, try to find a way through it. And I think that's the important part. Like it's just to not, uh, you know, much like the previous uh, set of three, it's just to not to worship this technology. It's It's there to serve you, find times when it does serve you, but have it out of your life often to give you better perspective of it. So if you're not on top of every single bit of technology or the latest news, it's not a problem. Like, you know, make that big hard separation. Make sure that there's moments in, of your day that are completely technology less, less, and use that to kind of forward yourself or just have, kind of create that balance for you. In keeping with the theme of sexiness, <clears throat> excuse me, what is the sexiest thing about Trevor Alexander? <laughs> it's a, that's true. I saw that. I saw a pre-question about that. I almost thought like I should go ask my wife for an interview to see what she might say. Like, honey, um, real quick, can you answer that for Jackson? Because I have no idea. Yeah. The so the so also, I'll, I'll leave the physical stuff to the eye of the beholder type of stuff. I'd say and it, it kind of not to be too cheeky about it, but it 
goes back to my work with design and everything else, and it's the idea of empathy. Ah. That ability to put yourself in the other's shoes and really understand what they want, really understand what they need, make sure those needs are met. And that's just like everywhere across the board. I think, I think that can be really sexy in a person as far as under, like somebody who just gets it, really understands somebody on a visceral level and is able to empathize with where they are, what they want, what they need. And that's uh, that, and that's something I strive to do. So I'll, I'll, I'll peg that as my, uh, my trait. It is now time for the quick game where we like to give our guests a chance to run through some entertaining questions. Trevor, are you ready? <laughs> no. <but it's> not. <laughs> awesome. It, you can't overthink it. So <clears throat> um, when was the last time you went to bed on time? Last night, actually. First time in a while. Nice. Can you name three of the dwarves? Dopey, sleepy, grumpy. Show off. You know how I many people? I ask that question, and I can literally hear people's brains grind to a halt. You, yeah, that was like, I don't know why those three. I, I had dopey right away, then I just uh, steamrolled through the rest. So I, I, had a, I had a guest who was um, just a, a business magnate. I mean, the guy was like just a business real estate genius. I asked him three of the dwarves, and he just, it was like an engine lock. It's like it's sort of left field. Like, how often are you thinking about dwarves names? But uh, all the time, Trevor. All the time. Yeah, all the time. See, it's funny because you're Canadian, so I, Halloween or Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. Uh, if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would it be? Uh, mint chocolate chip. Really? Do you like mint chocolate chip? It's my favorite. I'm one of the weirdos. So. I was gonna say you are. If there was a boat. There's two people on it if it's the people like mint chocolate ice cream. And I don't know who the other one is. You're the only one I know. (laughs) Yeah, when when there's a great flood. For a journal, and I'd love to hear this answer from you, paper or computer? Computer. I I had been doing paper for a long time. Okay. But I just found that having it, it produces this physical need. All of a sudden, like you're... Once you get through a journal, now you have that journal you have to carry it around forever, which is certainly romantic in its sense, but <laughs> it's a physical burden. So yes. it, it felt more, a lot more useful to have a digital copy that I could then reference and search. And especially with an iPad with the pen, it's been a really great uh, experience. So not a newly digital. Um, L.A. or New York, if either apply. Uh, New York, I think. I love the... Uh, City's got an unbelievable energy. I've been in both. I've, I've visited both. Both are awesome. I'd love to live in both. Um, but top of my dome, for some reason, New York. It's just got a real cool energy. I love the immigrant uh, immigrant vibe. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Uh, Swedish Fish. What size bed do you prefer? Uh, queen. Uh, pretty big enough, but my wife is forced to be close to me. <laughs> Very good answer. How do you feel about crazy? Cranberries. I've, I've only asked this question one other time, and it threw the guess up completely. <clears throat> Honestly, one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving. That and a little bit of turkey. That's a, a good time. So you're you're a cranberry sauce man. Yes, sir. As am I. We can usually the better. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, do you like the actual cranberries in it, or do you like the jelly cranberry sauce? It's a little better when it's got that bit of a texture to it. So I kind of like when it's the mix, when it's sort of the, like right, right in between, right between the berries, right between the jelly. I go for the horribly jellied gran- cranberry sauce. I go for the, there you go. 
I go when it when it plops out because that's the only verb to describe it. When it plops out onto the the bowl or the saucer, it has to have the actual interior design of the can on it. Like that's when I feel oh, good. There it is. You know, it's going to be a good one when that's the shape. Yeah, if, I've been to Thanksgiving events where people bring out, you know, the bowl of some some ancient recipe handed down by grandma that's you know involving. You know, the gnashing of fingers and the cranberry. And I, I almost just can't touch it. It looks just, it does not look fake enough for me. Hmm. And, and, and it's very odd. But last question and most important, um, who inspires you? Hmm. That's very good. Uh, I think my, my parents a lot. Um, they, we, you know, we, we're, we didn't really have a lot going. We, we had, we had certainly had enough and it was amazing, but the amount that, how hard my dad worked. My mom, I was on another podcast discussing one time when my mom had quit her job. She stood up to her bosses because of how terribly they were being treated. And it was a big, difficult decision for the family, but to see her resiliency and courage. Um, you know, I think about all those lessons I saw and what they did for like who I've become. It's just, it drives me because I think they, for everything they've given me, anybody who's given the kind of wonderful childhood I was given uh, needs to work hard as they possibly can to take advantage of it because not everybody was so fortunate so they uh, they definitely inspire me to work harder and be better well that is a, a beautiful answer good people sexy people that wraps up our interview with the innovative the brilliant the uh the empathic trevor alexander trevor let people know one more time where they can find you yeah, for sure. So I'm starting to build out my, the site around my book. So Ugly Design Career. So that's uglydesigncareer.com. Uh, that should be getting a lot of changes in the coming little while. And otherwise, again, I think Twitter is probably about the best place to find me. And that's at Alexander Trevor. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And we'll talk to you soon. Will do. Thanks so much for having me. Great chat.